the yogis and the yoginis are from who's here at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. <laughs> so you guys are it. You, uh, you, you carry the, the yoga. You carry the message. <laughs> and this morning's class is being streamed live uh, around planet Earth. It is. Actually, <laughs> this very moment could be watched in Afghanistan right now, in Iran, in Pakistan, you know, in the Middle East, um, in Sudan. the Arab world, in the Arab Spring. I'm just pointing out that this yoga that we're communicating, transmitting, is available in the whole of um, Mother Earth. And uh, there's this potential by the internet right now, streaming live, that people could be from you know, Berlin to Beijing, from Singapore to Sudan, um, receiving this. But I do want to acknowledge the fact that you, you have taken the trouble to come here at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning after a hard weekend of, you know, much activity. You know, I know some of you were uh, up at 4 a.m., weren't you? And now you're here. How wonderful is that, you know? And I acknowledge your, your um, commitment to yoga, your commitment to life, you know, your commitment to Mother Earth and all her children. And, of course... It is 9-11. So I'm very pleased that we are gathered in this moment on 9-11, uh, 10 years after the tragedy for humanity, and that we, are, we can acknowledge that in the context of our, of our yoga communication. How could we not help but, you know, acknowledge the day, you know, the moment, and feel the pain, you know, our own pain, and humanity's pain. And if I could just say, humanity's pain that we are living in, you know, that we have, that we feel, right? that unavoidable reality that there's a lot of pain, you know, in the human life. 
we might say there's a lot of pain in life, you know, all life, but us humans do something special with that pain. <laughs> you know, we really fuck ourselves up with, <laughs> with pain, and we fuck each other over with pain, don't we? Whereas in the animal kingdom, you'd probably just go and crawl up under a hedge and wait for it to pass. You know? But we, we get up and do shit on each other. You know? Because we feel it so bad. But I, I would like to acknowledge that the the pain that we all feel today and the pain that the whole world is feeling today um, is a healing force. I'm trying to say that pain is very real. It's not to be denied or avoided or no attempt to bypass it, but actually um, embrace it um, because it is the healing and I mean that, all, all pain, you know, physical pain is healing, is the healing. Emotional pain is the healing. And my teacher, my guru, um, would always say that. And it took me quite a long time to even understand what he, was, what he was saying. He just said it, sort of slipped it into the conversation. Pain is healing. The body knows what it's doing. It is a literal change in the system. It is Mother Nature's uh, intrinsic function to make sure that we stay safe. Right? If we didn't have pain, we wouldn't know to take our hand out of the fire. You know, we we wouldn't know to um, roll over in bed and change our position. You know. We wouldn't, without pain, we wouldn't know how to function, you know. So pain is an intrinsic, uh, necessary function of Mother Nature. So he would always point out that, therefore, you know, pain is nurturing, actually. And for us to cognize that and go, okay, right, it's okay. It, it's it's a change occurring. Right? So I um, like to sort of send out this prayer in the, to the whole world today from us that um, it's okay that pain that we're all feeling is the is the necessary healing that's going on. And thank God it's going on. And we send out a prayer from this little point here to the whole of Mother Earth that um, everyone everywhere know that they are nurtured, even in the midst of pain. They're nurtured, they are loved and they are cared for in this abundant paradise that we're in called Mother Earth. 
where all our, all our needs are taken care of by Mother Earth. We're given everything that we need in this life for a full life, all the way from procreation through birth, which is often painful for the mother and the baby and the father, uh, through this life right now, which is often painful, isn't it? And then through the decline of the body and then through death. You know, everything is in the nurturing power that is life, that is Mother Earth. Everything we are in that Everybody in Pakistan and Afghanistan and, and Iraq and Iran and the Middle East and Libya and Sudan, Darfur, and on and on and on, you know, New York. Everyone everywhere is completely loved and cared for, believe it or not. And I know it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe in our circumstances in the social circumstances that we've been given, you know, in our family circumstances, in our family patterning, you know, in the family karmas and so forth, and the, the, the patterning of society as it's sort of like come down through the generations has caused so much um, pain. And it's hard to believe in the midst of that, you know, in the midst of dreadful circumstances that... We are in a nurturing process, fully nurtured, fully loved, fully cared for, even through diminishment and death, even, you know, even people being really mean to us, <laughs> you know, people being really nasty. It's hard to believe that we are loved in the midst of that. This, this lovely guru, great guru who died recently, Adi Samraj, there's always a statement that touched me so much. He said, love fails for us, not when we are unloved, but when we fail to love. And I think it's a really good formula to remember. Please, you know, take this home, put it in your pocket. <laughs> and it's a good... Um, meditative equation to remember because we are in this structure of mind all around it and people are giving us shit, you know. <laughs> but maybe not personally, but, but probably personally too, <laughs> right? But, you know, it's all around. We, we seem to be in a, limiting, a limited circumstance in, as society has manifested. And it's sometimes hard, you know, you have to make money, <laughs> you have to go to work. People are grumpy at work, <laughs> you know. Sometimes your family members are grumpy at you, things like that. You know? It's very painful. And he said, you know, love fails not when you are, you are unloved, but when you fail to love. So it's a good formula for the world, I think, just to understand that little equation that we don't have to um, contract and deny and be despaired 
in the limiting circumstances. You just, you know, somebody's mean to you, you say, okay, you know, like you tangibly love. And then your heart doesn't, you said the petals of your own heart don't crumple then, you know? You don't go, somebody's mean to you. And I don't mean lovey-dovey, you know, like new age, you know, I don't mean that. Trying to be nice or playing nice. But I mean you genuinely care for others who are in unfortunate circumstances, who have been dished up a shoddy deal with society and are in pain and therefore being mean to you. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, you know their pain. And I think this is a good reflection for us on 9-11. You know, we know the pain. I'm not saying that criminal action is justified, but, you know, it's, it's, people shouldn't abuse each other, you know. But in that abuse, we should see it in the context of a, a, a social disease, you know. Like, vast, seemingly intractable difficulty and pain of the human world that has produced this aberration, right? And we should know the pain of, the, of whole humanity and acknowledge it, you know, and love in the midst of being unloved. Right? I'm not saying be naive and let people just walk all over you, <laughs> you know, if it is literal abuse, you know. But in the biggest context is, you know, understand whole social situation, that everybody's being dished up a shoddy deal. Everybody. Don't you think? Some more than others. And be kind to everybody. <laughs> Somebody who's being mean to you, understand that they've been, they're in a lot of pain, they've been dished up a shoddy deal by life, and they're grumpy or they're worse than grumpy, and you say, okay, you know, you understand their situation, be kind to them. And it's this kindness in the midst of pain, and understanding that pain is the nurturing force that's demanding change on us, you know, and then it will evolve into compassion. And this, the great ideal of Christianity and Buddhism that compassion is what it's all about. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is what it's all about, you know? It's what it's all about. But I'm saying you can't get to compassion without the actual acknowledgement of pain, you know, in ourselves. You know, compassion to myself because there's pain. Pain is the nurturing function in me, so there's pain, okay. 
right? And there's just this progression of emotions that goes to anger, but below anger is pain. Right? And then below pain is sadness. And then in that acknowledgement, through that progression, we get to compassion. You know, we get to forgiveness. And this is the acknowledgement that reality itself is a nurturing force. I mean, and that's, that's the bottom line. That's the key. Reality itself, this that beats the heart and moves the breath and sex, that creates motherhood and fatherhood, right? that creates you, is only nurturing, <laughs> regeneration. And everything that is occurring in that, such as pain, is nurturing. You are completely loved and cared for. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> you know, even in the midst of diminishment and death, you are completely loved and cared for. So I would like to um, transmit that communication to the whole world, and that may everybody get this very quickly. Soon. You know, this year, how about that? This year, everybody on planet Earth, all human beings, know essentially, <laughs> most basically, that they are completely loved and cared for. Even if social circumstances are suggesting otherwise. Right? <laughs> love fails not when we are unloved, but when we fail to love. It's a brilliant, most healing equation. So thanks for um, turning up here at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning and uh, being um, part of this transmission. And, um, and please transmit this, uh, everything that I just said, <laughs> to all your people, you know, all your families, all your friends, you know, all your countries, all your tribes, you know. Please let everybody know that they are completely loved and cared for on Mother Earth. And that when there seems to be limitation, and there definitely does seem to be limitation, you know, it's not true <laughs> that you are not loved, you know. The power of the universe you know, the power of eternity has taken human form as you and me, you know, presently, actually, in this flesh. Don't you reckon? I mean, how could it be any other way? <laughs> you know, say, the union of opposites in the cellular life, the atomic life, you know, in all of life, male, female, came together, surrendered to each other utterly as life itself, and then you came forth. Right? Mother was formed in that union of opposites. Father was formed in that union of opposites and brought you forth. There's this extreme intelligence and functioning of reality itself. And what? how beautiful, how extraordinary, how exquisite, you know? how unbelievable, unfathomable that the flesh <laughs> can exist, that we're alive, right? That a flower can bloom, 
that you can bloom. You know, it's beyond, beyond. <laughs> this. Now. And this body is operating in an extraordinary way. You know, this, and that's why I love um, the, the message in Christianity and all religious faiths where the Christians speak of, um, you know, Christ is my personal savior. I think that's very cool. That's very groovy. That we acknowledge that there is an actual person you know, who loves you, you know, and who you love. And I just want to make a case for that, that that is the basic yoga understanding. And it is the most basic principle of spiritual life in all religions, as they're manifested in different languages and cultures and nations, right? Is that we feel an utter love connection, a mutual affection to somebody, to an actual person, you know? And I just want to make that case that this is still the spiritual process and it always has been. And even in very sophisticated dharmas, you know, like Vedanta and Buddhism, where we are speaking of, um, you know, high philosophy, you know, such as, you know, everything is arising in one reality, everything, you know, there are no objects, you know, everything is appearing in and as reality itself. It's a beautiful teaching. You know, it needs to be reflected on. In that teaching, the fundamental practical means of the teaching is an actual love relationship with an actual person, you know, who is to be known as guru or Buddha, right? Or savior, Christ Lord, like that, you know? And it's beautiful. I just want to make the case for bringing that down into our tangible lives, you know. <laughs> Love and be loved by somebody, you know. And this, these teachings were always in the context of yogic life, of a life of intimacy with your own embodiment, you know. To love this body, <laughs> to be with this body, to be sensitive to this body. You know, that is the teaching. You know, when the Jewish yogi, master. Jesus Christ used a statement from Judaism, which was already there deeply in the culture, as love thy neighbor as thyself. It's a yogic instruction, you know, and it's a deeply religious instruction. It is the instruction of Christianity, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself, you know, like love yourself. <laughs> it's in there, you know, be intimate with life. And my yoga master, Krishnamacharya, would say this is the tangible thing that you can do. You can be with your body. You can be with your breath. You know, this is the starting point. To love, to be intimate here, here, you know, <laughs> in your own system, in your own organism, in your own plain wonder that is arising, you know, as eternity, you know, as the power of the universe, I am here. My God, what? How can this happen? You know, and the 
mother fathers feel that when the little baby comes out. You know, it's God realizing, isn't it? You see the little baby come out of the womb. Fuck. Where did you come from? You know, how can you be? And you look into the eyes of the baby, and you know, and there is infinity. You know, the eternal structures, force of the universe has arrived as you and me. And 40 years go on, and, and it's still true. <laughs> it's still utterly unfathomable, the ordinary condition. Right? So <clears throat> my master, <clears throat> my spiritual yoga scholar, Krishnamacharya, who's the source of all this yoga that we're doing in the West, you know, the teacher of BKS Iyengar and Patabi Joyce, that lovely guy who lived 101 years of life and died in 1989, he said that this body is the starting point of religious realization, of spiritual realization. You can tangibly be intimate here, <coughs> excuse me, with your own embodiment, with your own breath. Then there is a chance that you can be intimate with all other experience. <clears throat> then there's a chance that you can be intimate with somebody else, then. <laughs> but only then. You can't be intimate with somebody else until you're intimate here. But he's saying it's really easy to be intimate here. <laughs> you know, It's called yoga practice. It's really easy. You know, Whole body prayer to life. Strength receiving in your own system. Exhale, inhale in your own system. You know, life in your own system. And if you do that, actually and naturally, not obsessively, on a daily basis, then you find that you're in love with <laughs> everybody else. It just happens. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. So the whole world, I'd like to communicate this to everybody in the Arab world and the, you know, in Africa and China and Japan and Europe and the Americas and Australia, New Zealand, where I'm from, where everybody's suffering, <coughs> everybody in pain. I so say, it's all right, you know, pain is the healing. You know. Acknowledge it. Embrace it, even. Don't, don't, it's not the enemy. Don't try to get away with it, with you know, Prozac and crazy yogic practices and crazy meditation and you know all these exaggerations that we're you know drugs and alcohol and everything that we're trying to do not to feel the pain. You know, and then pain is as it's meant to be. There's very real reason for it. There's generational reason. Life has been denied. You know, motherhood has been denied. Sex has been denied. You know, and this madness not acknowledging the plain wonder that is our own condition. There's a very good reason for it, but, but still, it's okay. It's meant to be. How could there not be pain in the midst of the way your mother was treated, you know, and your father, and now possibly you? So, but pain is the healing function. And I just like everybody to know, in the midst of this reality, there's pain. There's this awesome 
magical, powerful thing that we can do that was developed in the ancient wisdom cultures of humanity. And that is we move and breathe in the way that is right for us and feel connected then to our source, to our reality, this moving and breathing. It's more powerful, more helpful than we care to imagine. You know? And that it is needed in human life, and it's needed in religious life as the very practical means of religious life. It's needed in spiritual life. It is the basis of spiritual life to have intimate connection to your own embodiment, your own breath, and then your own relationships, including relationship with your teacher. You know? Maybe we call guru, you know, your friend. The teacher is not an authority. The teacher is no more than a friend, no less than a friend. You know, that's the guru. And you have a tangible relationship with somebody, some actual ordinary person, and <clears throat> probably, you know, like you in your community, is, you're functioning like that for your friends, providing that for your friends, you know. There's this tangible, actual connection with somebody. And in that tangible love relationship of mutual affection, there is this thing that we're doing, inhale, exhale, which is our connection to life itself, in the midst of real fucking difficulties <clears throat> that continue, that go on in the society, in the family, and so on, in your own life. Right? We have a non-profit organization here in America. We, it's called the Heart of Yoga Foundation, and we raise funds, and we train people to come, and we give them yoga practices. And I have <clears throat> friends in places like Beirut <clears throat> that was being bombed out. And this lady... <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. This lady's going down the street, and she says she's going down the street, and she's driving past dead bodies. Car bombs in the street yesterday, you know? And she's going to teach yoga. Teaching a yoga classes to other Arab women, and they're going, inhale, exhale, in the midst of this shit that's been put upon them. Right? And they're feeling better by doing that. You know, they're creating friendship with each other. A little community of people breathing and feeling in the midst of war. And their Israeli women friends who they had met on the yoga courses were doing the same thing in Israel, moving and breathing, feeling better. And these folk were communicating with each other, you know, and saying, I hope your families are okay, you know. It's obvious, you know, that it's obvious, it's <laughs> more than obvious, that there is one life happening on Mother Earth, you know. One life, one humanity, one family. We all breathe, you know, and we all have families, you know. We're all in the same boat here. So that's what got communicated in this little example here of, you know, giving 
moving and breathing to everybody. Because it is the spiritual method of the ancient times to be intimate with your own embodiment, to be intimate with life through your own embodiment. You know, therefore, you can be intimate with all other experience and all other people, you know, even people who are mean to you. <laughs> you can be kind to them because you understand the shitty deal that they've been dished up. You know? So this is the great stream of communication that we need to get out there and you know, tell the world there's this thing that you can do that's going to make you feel better and feel better, two different sentences, in your life. And you, you teach it to them, like I'm going to teach it to you right now, and then you ask them to do it every day, right? Nothing exaggerated. And that's what I brought it down to, is a seven-minute practice that you commit to, and you do it every day. Right? These women in the Middle East, in Israel and Lebanon, this little example, they, was, they said our... Religious practice, our five times a day prayer cycle, changed from being a social duty, you know, something that we had to do, that you just did because everybody did it. It changed from being deeply personal, deeply intimate, deeply connected to their faith. They said the reality of our great Islamic faith, the great religion of love, was felt by them personally and actually when they put this breath into their five times a day prayer cycle. And I've done it with them, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, you give people that intimacy with their breath. This body loves its breath, you know, like you love the Lord. It's the same. That's what they found. It, it changed. Their exoteric practice became esoteric practice, you know. became a love relationship with life and with their teachers. You know. So that's what's needed now, is to give people their intimacy with their life. The, this extraordinary thing that's going on in the Arab world that we call the Arab Spring, where people are just claiming their, their life. Why not? <laughs> Democratic well, political systems where you have a life, you know? And then the next thing is, yeah, have a life. <laughs> have your own life. Have your own intimacy. You are a flower blooming in the Garden of Eden, you know, in this paradise. And have your life. And so that's the next, that's what we want to communicate to everyone everywhere as quickly as possible. You know, you're completely loved and cared for. And here's this thing that you do in the midst of social difficulties. And it's come through all this wonderful yoga teaching, but it's not quite there. My, my teacher's um, scholarship, Krishnamacharya, his methodologies of how to do yoga have not quite, not, not at all actually, gone into what's been popularized as yoga. And we need to do that. These five principles that I'm about to give you that came from the teacher of our teachers, it's kind of slipped out of the net as we've popularized the yoga styles and brands and so forth. And it's, it changes it from being just a muscular gymnastic activity to being actual hatha yoga, the spiritual practice that I'm talking about. 
which is your direct intimacy with reality itself when you put these principles in that I'm about to do. And please do that, those of you who teach yoga. Please put these principles into Mr. Iyengar's work and all the derivatives that have come from Mr. Iyengar into Ashtanga Vinyasa, Patabi Joyce's work. Put these principles in. They belong there. They were never meant to be left out. You know, teach the whole deal to the people. You know, yoga is not a gymnastic exaggeration. You know, yoga is not a spiritual exaggeration where you've got beautiful ideas that you're trying to get to through will of mind and, you know, some kind of exaggerated effort, meditation or what. It's not that. It is direct intimacy with life itself, with reality, capital R. You know, learn how to do this yoga and do it for yourself. Not very much. You know, it's nothing obsessive. There's a problem with obsession because then you're implying that you're not there and you're trying to get there. And it creates the very problem that we're, we're trying to overcome. This word direct, yoga is your direct intimacy with reality itself. It is nothing but a nurturing force. So it shouldn't be anything obsessive. Right? But it's actual in your daily life. I say actual and natural, not obsessive. Daily. And you commit to, you promise to do that. You commit to it and then you do it <laughs> every day as your religious practice or spiritual practice. And if that Religion and spiritual isn't in your language. Fair enough. <laughs> as your life practice, you know, as your intimate practice with all that is, with the eternal power that has now arrived as you and me. <laughs> yeah? It's true, isn't it? Isn't it true? An eternal power has arrived as you and me and is presently manifesting now in this wonder that is you. I always have to point that out, you know, is it, take a random person, this person sitting in front of me right now, I say, is that the extreme intelligence of life there, that upright spine, that heart beating, that breath moving, in the, her ordinary form, you know, without yoga, without meditation, without philosophy or religion, is that the extreme intelligence of life sitting there, yes or no? Yes. Is it? Like a flower blooming in her own garden, right? And is that the beauty of life itself? Yeah? It is, eh? It's not a spiritual statement. It's just how it is, right? It's not a poem. You are the beauty of life, the power of life, the extreme intelligence and function, you know? Aren't you? Are you? Thank you. Is she? Thank you. That's all I'm saying. Just as it is, as it's already given. Right? And then there's another question because of culture's language. And I say, if there is such a thing as an unseen source, you know, an absolute condition that culture has so often called God, if there is such a thing as an unseen source appearing as this extreme intelligence, you know, source of everything, appearing as this extreme intelligence, can the source be absent from its visibility? Yes or no? See, we're a little slower on that, aren't we? We get the first statement. 
Because deep in us, we've got to sort of somehow overcome, manipulate, you know, go beyond all this idea. I just want to say it again. If there is such a thing as an unseen source to this extreme intelligence, to this flower blooming in her garden, can the source be absent from its expression? Yes or no? No. (laughs) Right? So this is why I'm saying this intimacy with your own embodiment is your direct intimacy with reality itself, you know, with God. There's more in this asana than you know, (laughs) than you would imagine. So I say, so do it. It cuts through the mind's structures of denial into direct intimacy with reality, with God, with source, that is only a nurturing power that is eternally present as you and me, right? So you agree with all that? Yay. Therefore, do you agree? will you do this thing for seven minutes a day for the next 40 days that I'm about to teach you? Will you? Okay, fair enough. You have to see it. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but you know, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, look, take this pill... You, tr- you trust the doctor, right? You don't, you don't have to do... You don't have to go to pharmacology school and you know, study if the medicine's going to be okay. You just trust the doctor, right? Don't you trust me? A little, yeah, fair enough. No, that's a valid position. Like, learn the practice and then see. No, I respect that. Is there anybody in this room who... Um, you know, not having done the practice yet, just based on the case that I've presented you, is willing right now to say, yes, I will do this. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> no, your position is valid. You know, test it out. But that's my point. I want you to test it out. I want you to... See, what I'm saying is, I want you to actually do this for seven minutes a day and then do it every day for 40 days. Test, I call it you know, a free trial offer. <laughs> Do it for 40 days. You get to day 38. If you miss day 39, you you have to go back to day one. You do it every day. Seven minutes, that's all I'm saying. It's just so pleasurable that sometimes seven becomes 10 or 20 or 40 minutes. But every day, you see, we have to establish the practice of intimacy. We have to establish the practice of actual yoga in our daily routine. You know, that's what we need to do. I'm not talking about going to a yoga studio and doing an hour and a half of aerobics, you know, yoga aerobics. I'm not saying that. That's something different. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your actual yoga practice. Your. (laughs) Your yoga. You know, there's only one yoga, and it's your yoga. There aren't any brands of yoga or styles of yoga. There's one brand of yoga, and it's capital Y. O-G-A, yoga, right? And I want you to have it and do it. So please, um, please take this on and just do a little seven-minute thing in your daily routine. And I'm just going to teach you those principles that you can actually do, right? So thanks for those hands that went up. And after we've done it, I'm going to ask for another show of hands. See if you'll take the pill. (laughs) Because it is a pill, you know. It heals. It heals the system. 
So on this day of 9-11, let our, um, us in a practice here be the whole body prayer to the healing of humanity everywhere, and may it go out from here, and may everybody receive it soon. And may everybody know that they are completely loved and cared for and nurtured in this rugged life that we have where there is much pain. May they know the pain is Mother Nature's nurturing. I'd like to do this little ancient prayer. When yoga was transmitted in the ancient world, I mean way 5,000 years, 10,000 years ago, this Vedic prayer was given. And I want to do that with you, just little line by line. It goes like this. Om... Sahana Vavatu. Please try. Om Sahana Vavatu. Sahana Punaktu. Sahaviryam Karafavahai. Karafavahai. Beautiful. Tejasvita, Tejasvita, Vadhi Tamastu, Vadhi Tamastu, Ma Vid Vishabahai, Ma Vid Vishabahai, Om Shanti Shanti Shantihi, Om Shanti Shanti. Shanti. Um...